Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this moment of communion. We thank you for the promises that accompany this, that you meet us in this space, that, that you are present with us, that we're not alone. We thank you for the opportunity to lay down our burdens at your feet, to confess our sins and to find forgiveness, to see hands extended in mercy and love. Thank you for this time. We pray your blessing upon our congregation. And Father, as we all come together in this moment, you know we're not alone. There are congregations around the world that either have done this earlier this morning or will do it later in the day. But we are united in Christ and we come together to celebrate and to remember all that you've done for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I had a great privilege yesterday to be with Mark and Sherry's son, Kendall, at a wedding and uh, to marvel at how Kendall has just become a remarkable minister, born, raised in this church, a part of our congregation, ordained here and set apart, and it was awesome to be with him, to see uh, not only how he has professionally improved, but also in conversation to hear how his faith has grown and how deep his faith is. It was quite an encouragement for me to be with him yesterday, because this has been a hard weekend for us. I've got a family member who's passing uh, from cancer and will soon pass, and my mind and my loyalties have been very divided in the midst of that. I went to the great celebration of a wedding. Uh, two of our youth sponsors here from the church, Bailey and Jasmine, now Bailey and Jasmine Mosier, and, and so it was this, it was this weird weekend of, of grief and joy, and uh, also this moment of pride and seeing how a young man has been raised in faith here in the church. So for me, I come to this sermon today, and it's an interesting space for me to be in, a space to talk about what it looks like for us to be in a right relationship with God. The very heart of this message is, is this concept of getting right with God is where the series will take us, but as we come to it today, the focal point in the beginning has to be, I believe, faith. The Hebrew writer will tell us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith has to be at the very center of, of what we do and of who we are and of how we move forward. There are two great chapters about faith in the Bible. There are many chapters of faith, but two that stand out. One is well known to you, Hebrews chapter 11, the roll call of faithful people. The Hebrew writer talks to us throughout Israel's history about people who possessed remarkable faith and did incredible things. In each of the stories that we read there, we see people that despite a lot of other things that they could have done, they, they came to a very strong sense of two things. One, a belief that God is real. And second, a belief that God makes a difference. Now, it's neat that we have some young people with us today because in some ways, both of those truths are childlike. I'm certain that some of you who have raised your children in the Lord have experienced this. It's not unique to one family, but some crisis happens. Someone's sick or something happens that's, that's just not good. And as parents, we're fretting about it, we're worrying about it, and the kids maybe overhear us talk about it. But children 
who have a very idyllic, simple faith, are quick to say this if they're raised like I'm, it's okay, mommy. Jesus will fix it. It's okay, daddy. Jesus is going to fix this. He'll take care of it. I know that I'm not alone having heard those words. Many of you have heard kids say things like that. It's a simple belief, but it also is a remarkable one. When we come to this idea of how people get right with God, whatever that means, one of the things that has to be at the very center of that is a belief that God is real and that God makes a difference. One of my favorite stories about Jesus comes to us from Matthew chapter 8. And that's where I want us to focus our time this morning on this topic of faith. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, and we'll begin in about verse 5. In Matthew 8, Jesus is going place to place. He's healing people. A lot of things are happening. He's headed to Peter's house. A lot of things are happening in this chapter, but I want us to focus in on some things that happen here in the place of Capernaum. It says in chapter 8, verse 5, that when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Just a quick pause. It's fascinating to me that in the New Testament, the Roman centurions often uh, get tremendous praise in the gospel. They are oftentimes lifted up as people who did good things, not bad. They make confessions of faith. They, 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 they do a lot of things. And that's interesting because in the culture of the day, they were the symbol of the power of Rome. And to many of the Israelites, the Hebrews that are hearing Jesus' messages, uh, they would have been seen as the enemy, or at least as the oppressor. But it's amazing how frequently these centurions show up in the gospel stories, and that they have moments that are quite remarkable, like the one we're going to see today. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Faith, oftentimes, is demonstrated in the midst of a crisis. It's kind of like this. We don't always realize how much we need God until we realize how much we need God, right? Until we realize that there's a problem that we're facing that's just bigger than we are. In this room, I know there are many of you who have faced those kinds of challenges, there are some, if I was to give you the open mic right now, and you could say, you know what, Marty's spot on, there was a time this happened, and I wouldn't have gotten through it if it wasn't for faith and for my church family and for this or for that. I know that you know that. For the centurion, he faces a moment that he can't fix. He has power. He has position. He has influence. But he doesn't have the ability to heal his friend and his servant. No matter what he has tried to do so far, nothing has worked. Sometimes we don't realize how much we need Jesus until we realize that we really need Jesus. So he has done something remarkable. He's come to Jesus asking him for help. Lord, he says, wow, that word is loaded with so much truth. It's not just a descriptor like Marty or Mark or, or Susan. It's, it's a title that implies submission. You see, to have a Lord is to have a master, a boss. 
<laughs> to say that someone or something is the Lord over you says they are more powerful than you are. Here is a man, a centurion, a man who leads hundreds of soldiers. He is a man of great position and power. But he opens his conversation with Jesus by saying, I'm beneath you. I can't do what you can do. You are greater than I am. If the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God, then one of the things we have to acknowledge is that God is greater than we are. That his wisdom is wiser than our greatest wisdom. That his power far exceeds our own. And we have to be able to trust then that he can do what we cannot do. And that's exactly what the centurion does. When he comes and he says, Lord, he humbles himself before God, before Jesus. And then he just states a real life problem. My servant lies at home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. I think we can agree that one of the most difficult things for us to do is to watch someone we love suffer. Whether it's emotional suffering or it's physical suffering, it's very hard to watch someone suffer. It will motivate us to do a lot of things. And this centurion, it has motivated him to seek out Jesus. Now, he was a good centurion. One of the tasks of a centurion was to know what was happening in the community that he was given to oversee for Rome. And he has obviously been listening and hearing a lot about Jesus. And he is wise enough to recognize there's something special about Jesus, something unique about Jesus. And so he has come to, in his own mind, believe that Jesus can make a difference in a situation. We just finished a remarkable series uh, together on conversations with Jesus, and it was just fascinating that in every single one of those conversations, this concept of believing comes to the forefront, that what we believe matters. And in this story, this man, he believes somehow, some way, Jesus can do something for his paralyzed, suffering servant. It's a, an important question for us to ask ourselves, do I believe Jesus can make a difference for the problems that I face? When Jesus hears this, he says, shall I come and heal your servant? But the centurion replies back to Jesus, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Wow. This is an acknowledgement of a second thing about who Jesus is. <laughs> He's saying, <clears throat> I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of your presence. I perceive that you are holy. I perceive that you are, are there's something, a greatness in you that's not in me. And I think we would all say a similar thing. When we look to Jesus, we see a greatness in him that we don't see in ourselves. A strength in him we don't see in ourselves holiness in him that we don't see in ourselves. Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And here's the incredible part of faith. But if you'll just say the word, my servant will be healed. That is belief. 
Jesus, just speak the word and healing will come. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He's saying, I understand what it is to have power and influence and authority. And he is saying, Jesus, I believe that you have this kind of power. I believe that you are this kind of a leader. If you say the word, it will happen. <laughs> That's how it's meant to work. Now, this is incredible to Jesus. Let me say, one of the things I hope for you and for me is that, that we actually do things sometimes that Jesus is like, wow. That was an awesome moment. And this is an awesome moment for Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He was amazed at this man. And Jesus turned to those who were following me. He said, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in all of Israel with such great faith. Wow. Someone outside of the community of Israel that has a deep and abiding sense of belief and faith. Now, Jesus makes an indictment here. And he hears of this man's great faith, and he looks forward to the day where the community of faith, as it's known, will broaden beyond just the nation of Israel to those Christ followers around the world. And he says this, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, and they will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's an odd thing to say in the middle of a healing story. <laughs> but Jesus says, listen, there are a lot of people who think they're right with God, but they're not. And there are others who people think there's no way they can be right with God, but they are. That's quite a statement, isn't it? When Jesus says that, it makes us think, am I right with God? Am I invited to the banquet or am I cast out on the street? It's a question that is worth pondering. It's a question that I think Jesus wants us to ponder or he wouldn't have said it when he said it to his disciples. Think of this. Who's he talking to here? Certainly there were others around, but he was talking to the 12, the chosen, the faithful, when he makes this statement. Is it a statement about the broadening of the kingdom? For sure. But it's also a statement that says, be careful. Ask this question. Am I right with God? So he finishes that statement. And then he turns in verse 13 back to the centurion. And he says to him, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would be done. And I love the last verse. And his servant was healed at that moment. I don't know what you believe about Jesus and God. I know that we have a faith that can grow. 
And one of the things that I hope for all of us is that we have a growing faith. The disciples would once ask Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. We know that faith starts, we hear, it, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and then it grows, and it grows. When we go through things like this, for his disciples, when they see that Jesus is working, that he's making a difference, faith grows. When you're part of a body and you see the, the, the hand of God moving, it encourages you. Your faith is strengthened and it grows. I remember a long time ago, a very faithful woman here at Ogilville, Crystal Roscoe, served with distinction and ministries here, but she, she had a very serious kind of cancer. And she was almost an indispensable person to us in the early days of ministry here. And, and, and she came before the whole church body, as many have, and said, I need you to pray. I, I need a miracle. And despite what the doctors had told her, had told her she got that. Our faith as a whole congregation was strengthened. Now, do we have struggles that that doesn't happen for everyone? Sure. We don't always understand how and why it happens the way it happens. But when we see God move in a person's life, it increases our faith. It strengthens us. When we see people who are faithful and they overcome difficult circumstances, like Tony's remarkable recovery from the stroke and the things he's been through, it increases our faith. You see, God is still living and active, and Jesus is still touching people today, just like he did in Capernaum all that time ago. We still see that on display in this very place. And we know that God is moving. You heard Lee's testimony last week that even though he had just overcome an incredible, unbelievable 160-plus days in the hospital, had coded multiple times, that they had done a procedure on him that hadn't been done before, where they replaced a man's heart and lungs all at the exact same time, and he survived. It was an incredible story. He gave praise to God, and our, strength, our faith is strengthened it increases. And yet we face our own moments of impossibility. We face our own moments and our own struggles sometimes that we ask the question, where is God in this? And it forces us to that crisis of faith. And it's not always easy to see our way through a crisis of faith, is it? And many of us, including myself, have had such moments what gets us through those moments? Well, for one thing, each other. Sometimes when we're weak, we help carry someone else through the hard moments, trusting that while we don't always have an answer to the problem that has presented itself in the moment, in the fullness of time, God has a way of healing and helping us to move forward in faith. Faith, without it, it's impossible for us to please God. If we want to truly be right with God, faith is the starting point. So take an evaluation of your own faith right now. Would you say that at this moment you're closer to God than you've ever been, farther away or somewhere in the middle? And as you make that assessment, if you're not as close to him as you want to be, if you're struggling in your faith, what is it that needs to change in you? And what is it that needs to happen so that your faith can grow again? For some, it may mean, I need to talk with somebody. I need to trust another Christian brother or sister. I need to, to, to really work through something that's been a struggle for me. For others, it's just about having a conversation with God. 
Because something's happened, we become very angry with God and we haven't talked to him about something. And for some of them, it's just time to have that talk, to get on your knees again in your prayer closet or beside your bed or while you're driving the car. Don't get on your knees in the car. That could be disastrous. But, but you know, pray in the car <clears throat> and talk to him and ask him for help. That's what the centurion did. He was wise enough to know there were problems he couldn't fix. That he had to have the help of Jesus. And if we want to have great faith, that's a place for us to start. Jesus, this problem is bigger than I am. I've been praying that prayer a lot. Our family moving through some tough times. I've been praying that prayer a lot. Lord, this is, this is a bigger problem than me. I can't fix this. But you can. And I believe that he is. I appreciate the prayers that you've been praying for us. They've meant a lot. Even this morning, a sister laid her hand on my shoulder and prayed. It helps to have each other in these moments. We need each other. We are a household. We are a community of faith. And that's important. That's important. Our faith actually has an impact on the people who are around us. Your faith has an impact. So if you're hurting and you're not in the right place with God, one of the things we can do to strengthen that is to spend time talking to those other people, talking to God, and, and finally looking intently into his word, into his story. I encourage you that if you're struggling, go back and read Hebrews chapter 11. Read that remarkable story about how character after character in the Bible found that faith in God is what changed everything. Because it is what changes everything. It might be, though, that you're here today and you've never placed your faith in God. You've never made a decision for Jesus Christ to say, I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's your circumstance, I would encourage you that this needs to be the day that you say yes to Jesus, that you make that movement towards uh, embracing all that God has for you. It is one of the most important decisions that any of us will ever make in life. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we make it when we're old. Sometimes we make it when we're young. And I think it's always great. I love to see it when young people come to faith, when they come to believe in Jesus, because I know that it's so important to setting us on the right trajectory for life. But the beautiful thing about God is that he makes all things new. So if you're 65 and you've never accepted him, let this be the day that he makes you new. Come with a childlike faith. And then watch how God helps you to grow that faith into something beautiful. If you have a decision to make for Jesus, I encourage you to make it right now. As we stand and we sing the hymn of invitation. Let's stand together. Just as I am. Without one thing, but that.